follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast, the resolution of the detonation of the disillusion of the explosion of the mega powers. I'm Shad here with Matt and Brad. Gentlemen, sound off. Well, I would call this the Godfather 3 of the mega powers. (laughs) Yeah, at this point, uh, the mega powers have exploded and... This is just like what's left of the pieces. I thought it would be funny to try and string a bunch of words together that end in a shun, basically. Yeah, I I knew it was going to be downhill after Mania because Zeus is not good, but wow, this really, really like... (sighs) Yeah. I, I cannot believe, like, this, for everything that was great about the first like three episodes like this episode was just like god awful yeah i had forgotten about zeus being part of the revenge and i forgot how much like i hate i just despise the macho king stuff really i don't like it i don't and and i mean i know i i don't dislike sherry martell i think she's quite good but watching this stuff like i felt like Pairing her with him really devalued him in some weird way that I don't quite know how to quantify. Uh, it did basically signal him moving down the card, not immediately, but he did kind of get. He was languishing a. He started to languish a bit. Yeah. But then, well, hang but on, then they did build him up in a couple. Uh, well, one really high-profile feud before his like semi-retirement. All right, all right. Hang on, we'll get into it, guys. Um, but first, let's get some get some housekeeping out of the way. Um, I know that uh, when I am trying to get over the betrayal of my best friend, I need comfy clothing, and that's why if it happened to me, I would go to Collar and Elbow. Um, I actually dug out a new shirt I'd gotten from them over the weekend, and it was fantastic, soft, comfortable. Um, you, I had it for the 4th of July, actually. It was a red, white, and blue logo. Um, I'm not sure if it's on the store yet, but it's, it's excellent. And, um, if you would like to get some collar and elbow stuff, which I can't recommend enough, that's why I keep talking about them. Use the promo code four corners cap podcast. That's no spaces cap. The number four capital C and corners, capital P and podcast save 10% off your order. The other thing we got to do. We got to talk about the real king, isn't that right, Matt? That's right. We need to give a shout out to Epico Cologne. Uh, Epico would never turn on Primo, 
like uh, <laughs> <laughs> like was done here with the with the mega powers. Well, he'd have right. to be on TV to actually turn on Primo. That's also yeah. true. Yeah, uh, I think I, I think I discovered the last time he was actually on TV was way back in Survivor Series. Yeah, I think so. Of last year, uh, he apparently did wrestle uh, on house shows uh, earlier this year. But who knows? Who knows what's happening? Yeah. Right. Maybe he'll so, get on TV one day and then we can start shouting out Drake Maverick in his eternal <laughs> quest for the 24-7 title. You know, oh. why can't they have uh, Epico try it for that 24-7 title? It should be like a rotating group of guys. Why not have the Cologne brothers be co-holders of the 24-7 title? Right, and they can fight. They can kind of feud over it and then... Or they could watch. They could watch each other's back, then go yeah. into a feud, then make up. I I have to say, um, is it Renee Michelle? Mm-hmm. She has been spectacular. Oh, she's very good. The entire twenty four seven for as much of a joke of a title, and we even kind of goofed on it when they first announced it and brought it up. They've done really well with it, and I think it's because. This is one of the situations where the people up, up at top, meaning like Vince, aren't really paying attention to it. I think so it, they're kind of just booking it themselves. It's not as good when it's on TV, though, compared to the social media. Oh, no. No, it's not. No, it's 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 really not. <clears throat> so, But an interesting tidbit about Renee uh, Michelle that I found out is she was trained by Chigusa Nagayo. That's crazy. Huh. Yeah. I actually want to see some more of her matches then to see how she compares. Because, what, she was in the first May Young Classic? She, she was, was in the first May Young Classic, yes. Right. I'm guessing she hasn't wrestled much. I looked at her career and she hasn't really been active that long. So. Okay. I'll see if I can dig some stuff up. Alrighty. Well, <clears throat> What we're going to do is, um, I'm actually going to ask Brad if he'll kind of give us a, a little bit of a frame for this section of the uh, of the uh, segment, and then I believe we're going to go into the, our listener comments. So, Brad, could you could you get the ball rolling for us? So, in episode one, we covered Randy Savage turning face and ultimately becoming friends with Hulk Hogan. Episode two, we kind of covered Hogan losing the WWF title, Randy Savage, and then winning at WrestleMania four, and them becoming a more active tag team. And then last week, we um, we talked about Hogan and his lustful eyes, and um, <laughs> going through to WrestleMania five. So that kind of leaves us in the aftermath of WrestleMania. Hulk Hogan is our WWF champion. Uh, Randy Savage has kicked Ms. Elizabeth to the curb. But he also does not have the WWF title. So that takes us into our really early segment on the Brother Love Show. And uh, Randy Savage, I think he says, is he introduces someone that is more woman than Ms. Elizabeth, I think, is I think what he said. I think that's right. Yeah. So, uh, and I found this out listening to a different podcast. Sensational Sherry actually did a segment by herself at WrestleMania 5, like a promo. Oh, really? Yeah, and I don't remember that, but 
it makes sense. Also, um, so he introduces Sensational Sherry, who is at this point a former women's champion. Okay. She was the women's champion in '88 and lost it to Rock and Robin. Uh, I believe that I believe that's correct. I believe the lineage goes: you had Wendy Richter, and then um, Fabulous Moolah did the whole shoot on her as the spider. Mm-hmm. And then Sherry Martell beat her, and then Rock and Robin beat her. So that's kind of the lineage from '84 to now. But I'm pretty sure okay. that, I'm sure I'm pretty sure the title disappears around this time time period until um, Alundra Blaze gets it in the mid '90s. Okay. Also, if you want to see a really great Sherry Martell segment of her on her own, there's a brawl on like I think in April or May 1993 with her and Luna Vachon where they're like tearing each other's clothes off and it's like this really heated segment and it's it's just awesome if you can track it down okay so anyway uh, Savage introduces Sherry Martell as his new manager on the Brother Love Show what did you guys think of this segment and this pairing of the tandem. Um, I thought it was interesting. I like when she, I don't. I wasn't the biggest Sherry Martell fan. Um, I was just kind kind of found her annoying, but I think she did do a good job uh, with Savage. Uh, I thought it was interesting in this segment that when she is announced, like she immediately starts crapping on Liz. Yeah, I noticed that too. Uh, it's it's almost like she's clearly establishing like she's the new woman in Randy's life. <laughs> uh, it was just it was an is kind of like a subtle thing again. Like if you're watching this as a kid, you wouldn't really get that, but as an adult, it's like hmm, that's uh, that's interesting. I, I liked how she went like full trailer park trash, like running her down. Hmm. Like, this is, like, you would see this, like, in some trailer park with two, like, women just, like, running each other down before the fight starts. <laughs> yeah. And I thought she was, I thought she was tremendous in this. There's some other parts of this where she gets a little annoying, but I thought she did a really good job here. And um, I think as this goes forward, I like the dynamic she brought in that she was a more active participant in his matches. Mm-hmm. Because there's something she does in the Saturday night main event thing that had me on the floor rolling. Oh, yeah? Yeah, when she when she takes her stocking off and chokes Brutus Beefcake with it and then <laughs> oh, puts yeah. it back on. <laughs> just because she had that level of commitment to hiding her crimes. Right. Had me rolling. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And Vince was so Vince was so like put off by the fact that she was putting it back on, too. Announcer Vince would find the weirdest things to fixate on. Oddly enough, as it turns out, that's just Vince in general. Um, yeah, because like at least, 70s yeah. and early 80s Vince is so different from late 80s Vince. Yeah. It's just, it's it's interesting to me to, to well, I mean, you know, from other things we've heard to hear how much... Um, to hear just just confirmation on how hard he fixates on stuff. Yeah. 
really hard. So at least it wasn't a pooper scooper, right? Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So our next segment kind of takes us in the direction I think Randy Savage is going to be going in this year. Um, Brutus Beefcake is out on the Brother Love Show and um, cuts a pretty terrible promo where he's trying to get the crowd to chant Scary Sherry. Yeah. And then she comes out and confronts him. Savage blindsides him. And then they cut some of his hair off. Which yeah, I like the I, hair cutting, but. I, I actually thought. I, I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, I, I guess I've taken this whole attitude that Savage was in the right, <laughs> at least with the <laughs> Mega Powers uh, dissolution. But, I, I mean, he's supposed to be heel now, obviously. And Beefcake's supposed to be the face. But it didn't it come off to you that Beefcake was just being a dick? It's like, I, I get that Sherry's like a heel, but he was just being like an asshole. He's just trying to get the crowd to taunt her and everything. I think, I think, uh, um, really I t- kind of unprovoked. That's what I wrote down on my notes unprovoked attack. See, I took <laughs> it Sherry like, Martel. I took it like he was crapping on her because he was sticking up for Liz. Hmm. Which made me take it differently, like, because he's supposed to be Hogan's friend. So I kind of think, like, oh, well, he's, you know, he's crapping on her because, like, she, you know, he's sticking up for probably who's someone he hangs out with and is cool with. You know, he's like, hey, you know, you kicked her to the curb. That's kind of crappy. Like, your new, your new chick's freaking crazy, dude. Yeah. That's kind of how well, I take it, though. And, 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 yeah, like you said, taking up for Liz, me punching back to try and and I don't know, shut her up. Maybe it makes I, sense. And I think because I think because of the physical dynamics too, like Liz isn't going to get one over on Sherry. So, oh no, other people are going to no. kind of have. Well, I guess she kind of did at seven. She well, kind of got that's... the final say when she kind of booted her out of the ring. Mm-hmm. That's that's still that's a long way off. Yeah, I guess just ultimately though, she does kind of get the she does get the final boot to the ass in that one. Mm-hmm. So I thought I I can see where Matt's coming from though because it does keep, seem kind of unprovoked. But I thought I thought Beefcake's delivery was really terrible here. Yeah. Um. It's. Uh, I've never really been a fan of beefcake in general. So uh, it's not like I, um, I've never, never really been happy with how he's done a lot of stuff anyway. I will say in 1989 in ring work wise, he's actually not terrible. Like he does. I would say he's almost average in 89. For him to be almost average. In the WWF in 1989, <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you don't. I mean, the thing that makes him stand out is is the nickname and the the pruning shears yeah. he carried. Not pruning shears, but the. It's really the it's really that sailing accident that he has in '90 that just destroys him as a as a worker completely. And I don't blame the guy because he had his face like broken into a million pieces. And if if people are listening to this and wondering what happens, there was some parasailing accident like. I don't remember exactly what happened to him, but he pretty much busted his face into a million pieces and missed like a year and a half of in-ring time. Yeah, that's a lot of reconstruction. Well, no, he missed more like two years, didn't he? 
I think so. He was uh, basically supposed to die, I think. Like, that's how severe everything oh, was. Oh, wow. Do you, do you remember what happened? Did he get, like, kicked in the face, or did he, like, splat? It, no, a woman... I think it was a woman who was parasailing, and then she, her... her, I think her body just crashed right into him. Okay, oh. that sounds about right. Now, I know it was brutal, because there's but a... When face he comes, first. Like, yeah. Because when he comes back on Raw, he talks about like what they did to him, and it just sounded mm-hmm. awful. I mean, visibly you could see like his face before he. Not that he hit, was like had a gaunt face, but his face afterwards was like noticeably more like swollen. Yeah, and he, I think yeah. part of that was like probably like the hardware used for that, and he may have still had like some soft tissue swelling. Well, I yeah. don't think he ever got like. I don't think he. I think he lost a lot of bone too. Like I think his face is a lot of metal now. Okay. Oh wow. Okay. I'm looking it up on Wikipedia, and okay, it uh, looks like he was helping a parasailer friend prepare for takeoff, and the driver of the boat mistook a cue to take off and pulled the friend's bare feet hard into Leslie's face, crushing his facial skeleton. Oh. Good lord. Over 100 metal plates were needed to repair it, and his career was put on hold for almost two years. Oh, God. I knew it was bad, but I, I'd forgotten. That's, that's a special kind of painful phrasing. If you, if you look at what they describe as the facial uh, skeleton, it's mostly like your nose and cheek and uh, kind of jaw bones. They um, must have- for for what they're describing, he must they must have just pulverized his nose and like his cheeks. Probably, uh, he. I guess he was lucky because it, it's just like the face. Because if uh, obviously it had been like his upper skull, yeah, he's then... lucky he didn't lose an eye. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Well, I was going to say the other piece to this whole thing is with an impact like that. I have got to say that there, I can't think there's any way that he did not also have some sort of brain trauma go with it. I was going to say it makes his drug abuse kind of make sense because I bet even now he's in a shit ton of pain from that. Cause you don't think, I mean, that sounds like something you don't come back from completely ever. Ah, man, I don't know. I'm just thinking the thing that 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 hits me is did you, I know there was a video that floated around the internet for a while that there was a, a neurologist he had a he had a model in his hand to show what a concussion looks like so it was like a skull with the top portion removed and a, a brain in it and he slaps the front of it and the brain ripples and hits the back and then ripples and hits the front if they hit if if he got hit with the kind of force to as you said crush his facial skeleton yeah, his brain must have gotten knocked back and forth like a ping pong ball. So probably. there's a whole bunch of stuff that could go into that. I wonder if he lost any teeth. I know that's probably a stupid thing to say, but I wonder if he lost a crap ton of teeth too. I mean, it's probably within the realm of possibility. Yeah. yeah. My, my medical opinion, which I base on uh, being hurt a lot, I'd put it at a coin flip. 
I would say I would say it's something that gets forgotten about him is how severe that injury was, though. Yeah. Well, because obviously they didn't like there wasn't visual of it and it was not not the kind of thing you want to broadcast all that much. Yeah, and this so. was like 1990 when that happened and that's right before they really started figuring like the whole plastic surgery medical science out. Like that's like right before what we would consider like modern medicine like really really kicks in. Mm-hmm. So he was mm-hmm. still kind of in that old dinosaur time where you know the incisions are awful. They don't quite know what they're doing yet, but they're getting there. So it was probably a lot worse than it'd be if it happened today. Yeah. Yeah. Because just to go off on a, a small tangent, like if Bo Jackson had that ankle injury today, I bet he wouldn't even miss more than a couple of games, and he would still he would have had a complete career. Hmm. That's. Well, I mean, Garrison Hurst had the same thing and came back from it, like yeah. decades. And some years later, so. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So up next. Okay. So up next, um, I couldn't find the debut, but um, Hogan does the No Holds Barred movie with, um, is it Tiny Lister? I always want to say Tiny. Yeah, Tiny (laughs) Zeus Lister. Yeah, so they get the brilliant idea because this movie they think is going to be huge. They bring Tiny Zeus Lister into the WWE as a wrestler to take on Hulk Hogan. And this next segment is him and Savage teaming up. I think he'd been kicking around for a couple of weeks. My takeaway from this segment is Zeus is terrible. He is really, really terrible. Yeah. Uh, But first off, before we get into that, um, I want to say that I think it was, who who was uh, doing this? Is it Mean Gene Uh, as the interviewer? Um, yeah, Mean Gene. Yeah, I, all I know is um, they described No Holes Bar as "quote the hit motion picture," <laughs> and I'm like, in what in what universe was this the hit motion are, picture? Are you guys playing fast and loose with the term "hit" here? Yeah, that's what I get out of this. So that's, um, yeah, that's that's my takeaway. Uh, by the way, I'm looking it up. We, movie too. we need to watch this movie for the podcast. Oh. But, uh, here's a here's a you want a really fascinating bit of trivia. I'm listening. A young Peter Dinklage was in this film. What he, he portrayed quote midget in a cage. <laughs> That's his role, uh, and he urinated into a beer, being consumed by the main villain. Wow. I do want to do. There is there is his one, career would later go on to better things. Obviously, it is my dream at one point on this podcast to do a a long form Hogan film retrospective because I think we need to go through no no holds barred. But I also think uh, Suburban Commando deserves some it does, discussion. It deserves love. Is what yeah. it deserves. Actually, I, I, it actually I actually think it's a good movie. I would I would I would argue and fight anyone saying Suburban Commando is his best role, other than Gremlins 2. Who would not say it is, or who would say it is? Who would say it is not his best role? Oh, no, it's his best role. Yeah. It's he. he it's so much fun. That's a, I, I think it's a good movie. It's, I liked it. 
I think it would have been it needed to come out like four years earlier because it's like eighties cheese about five years too late. Yeah, it, it's very like um, nowadays it, it would be like very it would be considered very meta because it was very kind of aware of itself and how ridiculous it was. Yeah, if it was. Oh it, wait wait wait! Suburban Commando has one of my favorite cameos in it. It has the flipping. Undertaker. Oh yeah, as a child-voiced alien bounty hunter. Yes. Yes. Dead man Ramsey. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, that's so. If because um, they did the joke is there, and you're like, uh, <laughs> and then I stopped it and I rewound. It. I'm like, the, that's that, the Undertaker. Yeah, it took you a while to realize it. If it if it came out today, it would come out on Seafy and be um, have some stupid name like Trailer Park guy <laughs> here i've got a i've got a i've got a i've got a clip for you from the movie oh yeah I'm frozen today <laughs> that's the second time that clip has made it onto our that's show. true it's been my fault both times god now i'm gonna go around all night being like marty marty <laughs> you know that that movie has like a few like actually really funny quotes like it's a it's somehow a quotable movie <laughs> there's a there's a great one from like the main villain at one point because uh, he's like <laughs> he has like a gun or something he's holding it on on Chip Ramsey who's the Hulk Hogan character and Hulk Hogan's just like like insulting him he's like you vain egotistical monster and the guy's like the villain stops and goes I'm not egotistical a little proud maybe <laughs> and it's like <laughs> <laughs> it's so hammy, but it, it was a lot of fun. Um, the uh, just to put this out there, the most painful Hogan movie that I can remember sitting through, and I've been hitting the head a lot, so there might be something I don't remember. But the worst for for me anyway was Santa with muscles. Well, I think I managed to avoid that. <laughs> Because there is just so much awful. You know what? Let's go back to talking about wrestling. Oh man. Oh, I'm I'm oh I'm getting a headache just thinking about that. What would you guys say is Christopher Lloyd's best um, 80s to early 90s role? Would it be Uncle Fester, uh, Emmett Brown, or um, the Judge on Roger Rabbit? Emmett Brown. I would say Doc Brown. Yeah. But uh, it's his role in Who Framed Roger Rabbit is really actually underrated. It's uh, really good. I I sometimes have his like speech about a freeway running through my brain sometimes just because it's so absurd and stupid or him going around tapping on the wall going like shave and a haircut. Mm -hmm. Because he is just like. I think Doc Brown's better, but just how much of a creep he is in Roger Rabbit is really good. Mm-hmm. That's true. But I, Doc Brown, man. It's Doc Brown. I would agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So Zeus is awful. Yeah, um, really awful. Like he can't even, he's trying to like do, he's doing this weird like talking thing and his eyes are crossed and like, He's spitting a lot, and it's just uncomfortable Dude, um, to watch. I don't know He's... if you realize that, but his eyes are usually like that, I think. 
like watch Friday. Okay. Uh, yeah, he has a. The I think it's Dark like, Knight. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Why he, did he talk like that though? Because he, I, he, he was Debo in Friday, right? Yeah. Yes. He didn't talk like that in that movie, did he? No, he had a very, <laughs> like, measured, deep voice for that. Yeah, he actually has um, he he's like a, he has like a detached retina or something like that. That's why his his eye is all wonky. Is that what it is? He, yeah, he's like I think he's blind in one eye. That's why it was it, it always kind of like was. He's got this cross-eyed. really awkward gait too. Like his back doesn't move properly. Like he walks around like he has like. Have you ever seen someone like have back surgery and they get those like body armor like braces while they're recovering? Mm-hmm. He walks like he has one of those on. I just think it's funny because he was like, he was an actor. And he's like a but, good actor. Like he's not bad. Yeah, but he he couldn't even cut a promo. No. And it's like you you're an actor. You can't well, like ad lib something. Here's the thing: cutting a promo is very different than people think. To get up there in front of a bunch of people and cut a promo, and incidentally. Cutting a promo when you have a building full of people howling for your blood um, is a, you know, that's a that's a way different scenario. And if you're a film actor, you don't have the audience screaming back at you. You don't. Wrestling is the only performance where you have the audience screaming back at you and actively trying to dick with you. Well, I mean, stand-up comedy would be pretty close. I think that's why Andy Kaufman adapted so easily that's okay that's fair but you don't most people don't go to a stand-up comedy show to they go to enjoy it most of them don't go there trying to dick with you Mm -hmm. if you're if you're a good heel you're gonna piss off everybody and and try to dick with them you know so yeah he was terrible he could Oh, wait, what were we saying? Well, I don't know why. If he was that bad, I don't know why they kept trying to have him talk in front of people instead of doing backstage, like, studio segments with him and maybe, like, writing some stuff for him. Oh, I, I mean, it's 30 years late, but, I mean, they, they script everything now. They, didn't, they wouldn't script the damn thing back then, but they, they could have for him. Like, they should have yeah. just... Yeah, I was going to say, you think they might have scripted his stuff. Yeah. Unless they told him to talk like that, but I think that's a mistake. Well, he didn't, like, the character Zeus didn't even really talk in the movie, did he? I don't think so. Yeah. So let's, let's, um, let's get to the, let's get to the hard topic here. Who are you going to take, um, if you had to put one guy on your roster and push him, would you take Zeus or Giant Gonzalez? Oh, Wow. John Gonzalez. Yeah, no. I, can, I can use him as an attraction. He, can, really? he doesn't even have to be good. I just put John Gonzalez out there, and I have someone who's way shorter than him go out there, and they they dick around for a while, and the little guy runs around a little bit, and eventually John Gonzalez grabs him and does something, and you go into the finish from there, you and and you're like, oh hey, there was John Gonzalez. He's freakishly tall, and we did our thing, and the people that don't care get a piss break. And we move on with the rest of our show. And you could always do like El Gigante and get rid of like the naked fursuit. Yes, that's uh, yeah, 
Yeah. Most definitely. What were you going to say, Matt? Uh, I mean, I don't know. Like, Giant Gonzalez was terrible. He was. <laughs> well, Giant I mean, Gonzalez did more than, than Zeus did in matches. I guess. He was actually better as Eligante. He was. Than Giant Like, those segments he did... Um, with Missy Hyatt, where they went on a date, like his facial expressions and stuff were actually really good. Well, he was also more mobile. Yeah. Although, I mean, how, how long of a, how long was it from when he left WCW to when he was in the WWE? Not very long. I think six months, maybe. I think his run in WCW was like 91 to 92, and then he popped up in early 93 in the WWE. He was only there like a year, I think. Maybe less than that. Did did something happen to him in the in the the crossover period or something? He might have like worked like Mexico or something. I mean, like did he get hurt or or something like that 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 messed him up? From I know, like Elegante wasn't. I mean, those guy, those big guys decline quickly. So. Well, not not everybody can learn like Show did, because because Show's maturing into being a good big man took time. So this says he Hold worked on. till ninety two in WCW. And then he popped up in New Japan and War until 1995. Huh. Yeah. I'm reading something which, to me, is mind-blowing. What's up? Uh, according to Ron uh, Reese, who used to be in WCW. Right. <laughs> and he should know, uh, considering what role he played. Oh, my he God. Is a, I just read he's that. He's a... He's alleging that he's alleging that the original plan was for Giant Gonzalez to return to WCW in the role of the Yeti. Of the Yeti. He was supposed to be the original Yeti. Oh man. But I guess he was having health complications cuz he had a he legit had diabetes so he was not able to. And his his kid his kidneys got like all fucked up. Oh wow. Yeah, but he 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 died in 2010 which uh I thought it was much sooner. I was surprised he lived that long. Yeah, it was. Uh, that's because he, he was done with wrestling like in the mid nineties. Ninety five. Yeah. But those those guys that get super tall like him just don't age well. No, I mean the human body really isn't made for that. Because I think their like, joints start compressing and then they just lose yeah. mobility. Yeah, I know the mobility drops pretty hard. And I think it's hard to maintain like weight at that height because nothing's built for someone that big. So it well, has the, to be hard to yeah. It has to be hard to like shift your thyroid going all insane and like your metabolism just giving up at some point and being able yeah. to consume a proper amount of food to keep you going, but also not to put on like two hundred pounds. Right. Again, that that makes. Um... That makes what show did really impressive. Yeah. So. But um, 
it shows how interesting <laughs> this part of the thing is because we keep like going into the rabbit hole on everything because <laughs> mm-hmm. we just don't want to talk about Zeus. No, it's terrible. Like, so let's let's go to. So there's some other promos with Zeus, and they're all pretty bad. Like, the Randy Savage stuff and the Sherry stuff's okay, but it always falls apart when Zeus comes along. Right. So right now, it's it's mostly about Savage and Beefcake. And so Hogan kind of gets... Hogan kind of comes in for the next part. So we go to Saturday night's main event on the 18th of July, which is a little weird because they usually didn't do summer Saturday night main events. So uh-huh. we hit Randy Savage versus Brutus Beefcake, which I thought this was a really good match. There were a lot of smoke and mirrors to cover up how limited Beefcake was. Like this is how you this is this is a match you should overbook, and they overbooked it really well. I thought it's hard to cover weaknesses for someone. I think I don't think there are. I believe there are a lot of people who don't quite appreciate how. Um, how difficult it is to cover that sort of thing up. It's really hard to pull someone up to your level. It's way easier for them to pull you down. All right, I'm going to quit. Yeah, I mean, Savage <laughs> Savage has proven he can do that. Right. I would say, I would say Warrior has proven he's more able to go into that higher level of match than... Then Bless you. Thank you. Bless you. Um, the beefcake is because you know he got a five star match out of the Ultimate Warrior, and I don't think anyone could do that with Brutus Beefcake. But I mean, he's really shown <laughs> that he's really shown that he can take a guy that is very limited and do whatever it takes, use every trick in the book, and get the best match possible out of them. Yeah. Yeah, we yeah. Re- we had reviewed this um this entire pay per view previously. Well, yeah. SummerSlam, we did see this yeah. Yeah, yeah. on the on yeah the yeah. Um, the match itself was again fascinating because Savage was really like just working his ass off because he <laughs> could do nothing but a bear hug. Right. I believe the the phrase I used for for Zeus was that he would he would apply the bear hug and gently ride his opponent down to the missionary position. Yeah, because <laughs> that's what he did. Yeah, because I would say too when we get what which is up next is the the SummerSlam tag. That match is actually I thought at the time it's not good, but it's better than it has any right to be because Beefcake Hogan and Savage really work their tails off to work around Zeus. In a weird way, and and this I know this is really strange, but in a weird way, because on the 4th of July, I went very patriotic and I watched the match made in hell, Hogan Warrior versus Slaughter, Adnan, and Mustafa. And to watch how much Hogan and Slaughter were trying to do to cover up everybody else was actually kind of impressive. Well, that, that match is awful because it's it's Iron Sheik who's so old he's useless, and then it's Sheik Adnan LKC that hadn't been active in the ring for like eight mm-hmm. years at that point. And it shows. Yeah. And Warrior, who I... Wasn't that the, the time when Warrior was holding Vince up for more money? Was that... No, that I think event? that was the next year. 
Was yeah, it? that was that wasn't quite yet. That's when okay. they did. He held Vince up for the money when he did the SummerSlam match with Savage for the title. Are you sure about that? Because yeah. I re- I remember the interview and it was Hogan was telling Slaughter to break uh, break Warrior's leg, like break his leg. He you know he's doing this sort of stuff. He can't disrespect us like that. Do it to him. I can't do it. I'm his partner. No, because I think because he's he's pretty much gone after that SummerSlam match, and I think he was around. He was around after this because they do the whole, or was the Jake thing before this? Which Jake thing? Where they have him like going through that temple or whatever and start puking because like Jake pulled some like crap on him. I thought the puking was because of uh, Papa what Shango. Uh, Papa Shango oh, did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, Jake did um, trick I mean, Ultimate Warrior and had a cobra bite him. Yeah, and that's when you found out he was a uh, kind of aligned with the Undertaker. Yeah, that's a that's a great segment. Like that whole, I still watch that segment like every like six months or so. I can't, it's the one, so good. The one thing I can't watch from that era that still like bugs me is when Jake has the snake biting Randy Savage's arm. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I know Shad's thinking about the Joe Rogan interview right now. Yeah, yes, I am too. I am. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just the I think my favorite line out of it is is uh, Jake when he's telling that story he goes so I just took that cobra and I just paintbrushed the hell out of it so it'd be real bad mm. <laughs> he was like you're gonna make me do this because of what Savage did and all that sort of stuff it's I know we've talked about it before I won't run it into the ground for our listeners but yeah that's definitely what came to mind Ugh. I don't like that segment. Yeah. Did they do they did they black that out? Like remember when they had um Ron Bass do the whole um like his spur on Brutus Beefcake's head and they like X'd it out and all that stuff and went black and white with it. Did they do that for the snake? I don't like they did it initially, but I feel like they did it in replays. Maybe. I wasn't sure if they I wasn't sure if they did it on TV and then they showed it uncensored on Survivor Series. They might have. But I don't remember. That was really hardcore for that era, too. Mm-hmm. So let's just skip these matches because they suck. Like, Zeus is terrible. <laughs> um, these matches, these match, the, the, the Savage Beefcake one, I say, is worth going out of your way to see because it is pretty good. And probably the best beefcake match of his career. SummerSlam, you have better things to do with your time. So a little after this, we get a new gimmick for Randy Savage as he beats Hacksaw Jim Duggan for the the crown. And he becomes the Macho King Randy Savage. Right. Which this kind of, to me, marks, welcome to the mid-card, Randy Savage, population you. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, everyone's got to... You, you can't have... Well, you shouldn't have the same people on top of the card all the time because then you're going to bore your audience. So having people cycle down to the mid-card and back up is a good thing. You can also use that to build people, but... Yeah, you, but it's it does kind of suck that you go from losing the title at WrestleMania five to being in an intergender match with Dusty and Sapphire in the next WrestleMania. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, 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 
I, I can't argue with that. <laughs> I really can't. So, um, we go. I into- thought. Oh, go, go sorry ahead. to cut you off. I thought that. Um, I thought of anyone who did the king gimmick. I think that that Randy did the most with it. I liked. I liked. Um, I liked Harley Race. I thought he was. I good did with too, him. but they didn't really. They didn't really push him. And and heavily. I loved. I loved like Haku and just how annoyed he seemed to be, like having to wear it. Yeah. And just his like blank expression, like when he had the crown on his head, always just made me laugh. Are are we when we say king gimmick? How are we putting a time frame on it, or are we going with all time king stuff? No, the people that the people that were in the lineage of the King of the Ring crown that okay. um, went from eighty six to whenever Savage stopped being the king. Okay, well, I was gonna say because I got a soft spot in my heart for King Booker, but that's oh wow, oh man, I forgot about that actually. I may have to revise my answer, like because they did a ton with the King Booker thing. I loved that. I it, actually loved him as King Booker. All hail King Booker! I laughed myself sick. You know what makes me so King sad Booker. because he fucked up on his drug thing. I think or he got hurt. Is we missed out on King William Regal. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's actually um, I I I don't want to like I, I kind of want to keep this in my back pocket for a future like bag of holding, but that's kind of like a, a bag of holding thing for me. It's like guys who you wish would have had like one last big run at yeah. the time. And, uh, he Regal was kind of mine because they actually, what I had heard, I guess like Meltzer, or the dirt sheets, whatever they were saying, they were going to actually give him a big push, yeah. like not like a main event push, not necessarily that they're gonna put the title on him, but they were going to push him at least however briefly, as like a major heel and his his gimmick at the time really lent itself to that because remember he was wasn't he like the gm at the time or something yeah. like that and he, i think he, he got the crown and then he got the ic title yeah and he he like when he won that he the image was just raw ended with him just like sitting there on the throne and he has no one can do facials quite like regal he had this completely like sinister look on his face and i was like so excited and then he got popped like a week later for the yeah. steroids. That's that's the and thing that, was that it. makes me sad is Regal was lining up for something really big and yeah. to have that happen. You know what my favorite and, Regal facials were, though, is when they did the Cruiserweight Classic and Tajiri showed up at the Performance Center. <laughs> and he was oh, just so man. like, why the fuck is he here? Yeah. <laughs> That was that was always a great odd couple pairing. I enjoyed that very very much. And, oh um, man, I, my 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 big what if just to continue on that is actually if Rick Martel had not gotten repeatedly injured in WCW and retired. Yeah, I was real curious to see how that. I was think he would have gotten out. a U.S. title run out of it. I think he definitely would have gotten a TV title run out of it. Well, I don't, he, did get, I don't, he did get the TV title, actually. Like a run, not oh. just because he, he, he got it and then he lost it back to Booker. Um, but I was, uh, and, and I would have thought that they were like, okay, we're going to use this transition to Booker to the U.S. title level, Martell have a TV run. 
but with Martelli and Hurt, they didn't move Booker. They kept him there, which which led to a best of seven match with Booker T taking on a, a blank spot on my TV screen. I think that's right. Yeah, yeah that that blank spot was really tough too. I know. The yeah. the fascinating thing to me about that, and I didn't pick up on this until I was complaining about it to some friends of mine, was <clears throat> Booker won every match. Every match that Booker won in that series, he won the same way. He won with the Harlem Heat Seeker. The blank spot won every match that he won with a different method. Actually, and so they were making a contrast. Actually, I'm going to upgrade the blank spot to a Moon and Night. <laughs> the, it, my wife and I were having a conversation the, just the other day about how how far do we go on on appreciating someone's work versus like this I can appreciate what they did but not be happy with the person or what is it I, I had this conversation with my wife a couple maybe a year ago about the whole um, blank spot issue and um, mm-hmm. I told her and this is going to sound way worse than I mean it to like, cause there really is no forgiving him for killing his family. But I told her, like, I think some part of me could have gotten it over if he had just killed Nancy. Like, I think I could have, I think I could have, I think I could have justified some part of my, in some part of my brain and been able to watch his work again, but killing his fucking kid. Just like, I cannot. Yeah. I cannot get over that. Like I stopped watching wrestling for, Hold on. You got to give me a minute. Four years because of that. Wow. Just because it just robbed me of any joy. Like there's just, I just can't get over like him killing his kid. Like it's just, you know, like it's, it's really shitty that he killed his wife, but ultimately to some degree, that is an adult that could have made some decisions. Like, I'm not like blaming anyone there. I'm just saying like my own mentality, but like a fucking kid, like they are defenseless. Like you are like, you have to be, just an extra i mean and i know like we're, we're this is just foregoing the mental problems which are yeah. there but like it is just like it is a million degrees just more fucked that he killed his kid like that like that's just my yeah. my place with it yeah I, I can't disagree with that the thing that gives me pause on it is to the the coroner report that came there there were two pieces to it and i think one of them got over. The big one was the state of his brain. I think the coroner said it was like an eighty-year-old Alzheimer's patient brain or something. And then, as it turns out, his heart was really jacked up too. So, well, the, he was the, like abusing the pathology. He was like yeah. abusing the hell out of like Xanax. And um, I've read that a side effect of getting off steroids because remember the wellness policy went in like yeah. around this time. So a big side effect of getting off of steroids, probably like he had to, is like really horrible depression. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, that's that's I'm pretty sure you combine that with the brain damage that he had. And then the other part that came out of the pathologist report was his heart was so damaged that he probably wouldn't live another year anyway. You put that all together and it's like, golly, what kind of, you know. What kind of state of mind was he in for that to be the choice that he made? And then you also have to say, but he was in a spot to feel enough remorse to, you know, 
hang himself over it. Well, I think in two, didn't he like internet search like trying like making like a break for Mexico or something before he killed himself too? Like, wasn't that? I, n- I never heard that. Part. I thought I heard some inkling of that like way after the fact. I could be wrong on that because you know, but I just it's something we. I've seen some of his matches. Like we, we obviously did great American bash 96. And yeah. like, I can't watch him do the crippler cross face and like any kind of like head trauma that happens to him. Just. Really... Yeah. There was, there was a, a tag match that was on spring stampede 99 that I used to really enjoy. It was really good, but it was, it features him doing a diving headbutt onto Raven or Saturn with a chair there. And I just, I just can't. Yeah, it's um there's just something there is something just there isn't something so horrific about what he did that I don't the only people I have such a visceral reaction to are the invader that killed Brody and um fabulous Mula. Yeah, it's yeah. Well, the the difference in my mind for those two um, versus the the Moon Knight or the Blank Spot or Lord Voldemort or whatever we want to call him, is the amount of trauma that he was in and the amount of alteration that he was in, and like you said, the probably depression too. You know, there's there's a whole lot that goes into that, and I find it really hard to pass judgment on. Yes, don't get me wrong, what happened was horrible but i find it really hard to pass judgment on someone who is honestly was was probably just so far out of his regular mind I don't as opposed to as opposed to mula and invader uh you know M- mula being being an exemplary example of a just horrible to the core human being and then Invader, who, you know, stabbed Brody because he could. They, they, they fall into different camps for me. I See, with me, with him, like, it goes kind of into the mass shooting thing. Like, most of those guys are mentally ill. And I sympathize with that to an extent. But when you start killing people or hurting other people, like, I, I really... I really lose any sympathy I have for it. And um, I just, there's just something with him. Like I've never been able to get over. And I think anyone that was a fan at the time that that happened, we've all had there. I think we've all like everyone that was a fan at that time has had to deal with that in their own way. And everyone's kind of drawn their own conclusions on it. Yeah. And we've all, we've all compartmentalized it in our own way because I really think you have to, to still watch wrestling after that. It's just, it's, it's, I don't know. It was such, it it was so horrific. Like it's still. Yeah. Horrific. I can't express empathy. I can express confusion. Well, just to get personal for a second, I went through a period where my thyroid was really screwed up and I didn't know why. And that screwed with my head really badly. Um, I never, ever, ever considered hurting anyone else. But 
that was some depression that got in my head and set up camp for a long time. Really messed with me. I, I and to you say that, about that at some point, yeah, I think uh, I couldn't remember if I had or not. But to having been there, I'm not saying that that was the right thing to do or that I understand it or anything like that. But on a certain level, the just sheer crushing weight that goes with it. I might understand how that would lead people to making decisions they would not otherwise make. I think I'm going to leave it at that. I think, I think where I fall on that. And I know that this is hard because there are times in my life where I should have sought therapy and I did not. But where I fall on that is when, when the things in your head start saying, start saying evil shit to you, like drop what you're doing and go see a therapist. Fuck what anyone thinks of you. Go get help. Like, That's true. When that when that shit in your head starts turning bad, you need to seek help. Like it's you, you're but not going to win yeah. with your head. Like you're just That's, not. Like I. That's I, that's I, true. I have a family member that suffers from schizophrenia. I'm just going to go down this. Like if she goes off her meds, like she goes, like. There's just no stopping it. Like it's like she, you can't fight it. Like you need right. to, you need to. When when you start having like some dark stuff going through your head, you need to seek therapy. Yeah, that's 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 very accurate. I'm sorry, Matt. Go ahead. You've been so oh, patient. I agree, but unfortunately, I think with, with people, it's usually when they. By the time they get to that point, they're already like they can't see clearly enough to know no. when to seek help. Yeah. I think it. it I again, I don't. I, the profession I work in, I, I'm not in the medical field, but I do deal with a lot of medical records, and I, I see a lot of people who do have mental health issues. And I mean, it can run the gamut. And sometimes people just do not know when they need help, uh, or. It's that opposite thing where sometimes you see with people who have bipolar or schizophrenic where they get better with treatment. And then they're like, well, I'm better now. Oh, that's so the worst. I, they just go off their meds because it's like, well, I don't need them anymore because I'm good now. And then, of course, things spiral out of control because uh, it's those can be conditions where you basically need to be medicated potentially yeah. the rest of your life. No, for schizophrenia, um, as far as I know, with schizophrenia, like you have to because – yeah. And and that's it did, yeah, it's schizophrenia and even bipolar because it's they're more like neurochemical yeah. Uh, yeah. issues. Yeah. Like you, you can't. There's no, there's no like fix. Like depression can be like in a sense fixed. Normal yeah. depression yeah. and quote air quote fix because you can learn coping mechanisms and, and kind of improve. It's, but it's, yeah, it's really scary. Like with with my situation, my, they did not stay on their medication for five or six years, and then for some reason they went on their meds and have stayed on them for like 20 plus years mm. and there hasn't been an issue since, but man, like, I don't know. Do, have any of you ever known someone with schizophrenia out of curiosity? No, it's but not, I'm, that I'm aware of. It is. I haven't, I've known people with other mental uh, health impairments who it's, they've had, um, I guess, occasional psychotic features. It's, but not as prevalent as schizophrenia. It's an, it's is and I read a lot and I did some reports on it at the time. It is an insidious like it is insidious like what it does to a person. 
Yeah. No, yeah. they usually have a lot of psychotic symptoms, and psychotic symptoms can can be a multitude of things. It can kind of it can be things like just uh, bizarre thinking or paranoid ideation. It can be like hallucinations, both visual and hallucinatory. Like people lose, literally lose. Can, can not it's not across the board because everyone's different, but they literally can lose perception of what actually is or is not reality. Yeah. It is. It can be very, very severe. It depends entirely upon how uh, advanced someone's disease is. It, and again, everyone's different. Like I've seen people who they have bipolar disorder, but they cycle between the one. It, it, it they usually have one or the other that's more prevalent. Like maybe more depressed, or they may be more manic. Um, but then some people get off relatively easy. And then other people have really severe. Don't you run into the problem with the bipolar that I've heard is that a lot of people don't want to go on meds because they like the manic episodes? Or Some people do, but I mean, it, it's, it depends upon them. It depends because sometimes the manic, it, the manic episodes can be really bad. I mean, people yeah. often has like really, they, they can have very self-destructive behaviors with the manic behaviors. It, it, and that's um, something I don't think people understand about um, people that are suicidal, too, is um, there are some people where that is a compulsion and they have to be on medicine to not think about killing themselves. Yeah. Like there's yeah, I've known people that have said, like, if they're not on, um, I think it's lithium. They said, like, they would just be looking at, like. I don't know, like a ledge on a building be like, I bet I could jump off that and kill myself. Like they say, it's just like compulsory. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, this is, we're kind of entering into, I feel a discussion. I was going to say, this is, uh, this is some hella heavy content for a mega powers. Yeah. We were kind of off. (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to out myself right here. I find psychology fascinating and like mental health is like something I'm actually, super passionate about just because of and i'm not being preachy here please don't think i am i feel like it's still unfortunately like way too stigmatized in our society and people feel like there's something wrong with like seeking treatment and i feel like that causes a lot of really that's actually that is actually what i was just going to say like we we've entered into kind of a weird tangent on this but i think as a society we still have a long way to go to destigmatize like mental health issues and getting treatment for that. I mean, anyone who's ever actually, everyone gets depressed. Everyone gets anxious about certain things. But if you are actually at like clinical levels of depression or anxiety, and those are the more commonplace ones, let alone like bipolar disorder or schizophrenia or something even more serious. Yeah. Like just clinical levels of depression or anxiety can literally mess up your entire life. Maybe not uh, drastically depending upon how severe things are. But again, like we, we need to kind of destigmatize things as a society where we, we need to, we need to kind of, embrace that these things don't you're not broken as a human well, being i think the problem you need to get you get treatment for it and you should get treatment for it and there's no shame in getting treatment because i think that's a lot of what people still struggle with it's yeah. like there's they have a, this shame like well i don't want to feel like i'm crazy and i know when i was in in years past this is an even further tangent but 
uh, I would just I was representing kids with disabilities. A lot of them had mental disabilities. They could they could even be like not just like it come more commonplace things like ADHD, but also sometimes kids would have depression or they'd have oppositional defiant disorder, things like that. And parents would be hesitant to get them treatment because they're like, they don't want to think, oh, my kids, uh, there's something wrong with my kid. My kid's crazy. Or they didn't want to believe that. And it's like, no, you need to just realize these things happen. It's okay. And you need to get treatment. And, and the same thing with adults. Yeah, it's the same thing with adults. Like you need to realize sometimes you do have a problem. Sometimes you need help. And yeah. maybe it, it, I don't, I'm not one to... I think we overprescribe medications, so I don't think that that should be a first course unless first course of treatment unless someone does have like a really serious like neurochemical imbalance that they, that that's really going to help. I but I think people need to like embrace the counseling's fine. Just talking to someone as yeah. a therapist, that's fine. And like a therapist's job is not to judge you. They're meant to be like a safe haven yeah. for you. <laughs> but I think I think where people struggle with the mental health thing is I think um I think people have this real strong like sense of the individual and it's hard for people to wrap around their own their own mortality in a way and to realize that you really are just that gray matter in your head and if something happens to it that that person you think you are is going to go away just from a little bit of damage and you know I think people struggle with that when someone has like a head injury and they come out weird afterwards yeah. And I think I think it's just I think it's a hard thing to wrap your head around. And I think that kind of shows itself with the mental health. I think it's hard for people to realize, "Oh crap, you're saying my my brain could just be a couple milliliters off on this chemical yeah. over 6 months and suddenly like I could want to kill myself or like I don't want to get out of bed anymore." Like that's that is scary shit like to think about. And I can understand yeah. why people and you can't tough it out through that. You can't yeah. walk it off. There's none of that. Yeah, like, so that's what I say about the schizophrenia thing is like you have to stay on your medication because your brain is going to win. Like the paranoia and like those weird thoughts, you can't you can't beat those. Like they're just going no. to they're just no, going to you, overwhelm you. Can't. Okay, so I am going to very much grind gears and say so back to Randy Savage being paranoid. To yes. try and segue us back onto and, and, onto topic, and I, I apologize for that. We do try and stay away from. Um, I'm not gonna say that's political, but we try and stay away from more the more serious side of life. I'd say, but I think I think that it, the the mental health stuff, especially, is something that I think the three of us actually share in common of ha- kind of being um, passionate about. Yeah, it's words. it's important. Yeah, uh, we all recognize the importance of it, and and there's no question about that. Yeah. So anyway, Randy Savage now has a fancy ass crown. So we go into the the, the I guess the <laughs> last real part with Zeus, which is the um, he did something in Survivor Series, but it was unrelated to the Mega Powers. So we go into December, which they didn't have this on the network, which really pissed me off. Yeah. So they had a no holds barred steel cage match. I like the promos they did with them behind the cage, like the fences. That goes to the old classic. Um, I'm going to reference again. Uh, this was a this was a cornet thing. You sell the gimmick. So when you're going to have a cage match, you have the guy talk. You know, you have them either with a section of cage or you have them in the cage talking. 
or if there's if it's a, a tape fist match, you tape up your fist. And Hogan, even though it turned into a meme, Hogan, Hogan's promos about the Yappa Pie strap match were very much that sort of thing. We're going to have a strap match. We're going to hurt each other with this strap. I've got the strap here. You can see it when it hits, when it smacks. You can hear it. You get the sense of how much this is. That's and and that's great. That's an excellent thing to do. So um, I did not get to see this. I thought it was going to be on the network, and it wasn't. I don't know if it was on YouTube or not. So I did not get to see the no holds barred steel cage match, and I, I think I've seen it before, but I don't have any recollection of it. Do either of you? Um, mm-mm. no, sure don't. I can't imagine it's... it being very good. And then, <laughs> so we kind of we kind of end this with. Um, the main event with Hogan and Savage having a rematch in February of 1990. I could not find this in complete form because for some reason they don't put those main event matches on the network, which is stupid because like there are super important angles that have happened on there. Yeah. Though I did find a documentary about the mega powers exploding from like CM Punk was on it. So it must've been around like 2012 and they did yeah. this documentary on it, like in kayfabe with superstars saying whether they thought Savage or Hogan was right. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I, I'd be willing to bet if it was in kayfabe, then you could draw a line on who thought who was right. Actually, Kofi said Savage was right, so... Oh, did he? blow your theory out of the water. Well, I've got one, one uh, aberration in my data. I, I'll have to go back and find it. I do love hearing about uh, uh, more recent guys talking about the, the previous it's, like storylines and stuff. It's about an hour, and it's a little fascinating because it is kayfabed. And Hogan Hogan is in it, and he is kayfabed like, t- telling his side of the story, which is interesting. I, I always enjoy those, the, but the one that sticks out in my head, was, it was from the self-destruction of the Ultimate Warrior, and it was Edge doing Ultimate Warrior promos nice. <laughs> that they intercut with those. Break down the cockpit door, Hulk Hogan. You know, and Edge did such a good job. <laughs> God, Savage has been dead for like eight years, hasn't he? I know. Yeah. And that's, uh, yes, he has actually. Yeah, yeah. We're. I think we we just recently, not that long ago, hit it was like either, eight years. It was either eight or seven. It might no, have it was on. Um, no, you're right. It was it was 2012. I remember this. Because it remember- no, 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 no. no. No, no, no. It was 2011. It was okay. 2011. I remember. It's like May 2011. I remember. Um, it was highly offensive, and people told me it was, but I thought it was hilarious because that dude was going around saying the world was going to end on a certain day, and then um, Savage died the day before, and then the mm-hmm. apocalypse didn't happen. So someone memed. Um, oh yeah, that's a picture Savage. of Jesus praying, and Savage is like behind him, dropping the elbow on his head. <laughs> And I was yeah. sitting to that to people. They're like, that's offensive as shit, but it's hilarious. I, I remember seeing one where it was, um, you had a picture of the Earth and the asteroid coming, and it was Savage going at the asteroid with the elbow. Nice. So that was another version of Randy Savage had to stop the apocalypse. Man, that's... Because someone just posted about the cat he had adopted, like, right before he passed. Yeah. But man, that's that sucks. I mean, it's a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, that uh, we had that happen. The Bone Saw never got his rematch. 
No, Bonesaw never got his rematch. So, Brad, you said you had some some listener comments for... Yes, so um, I will get into those. Um, So, Eric on the GoFightPal forums uh, said, Savage is right, Hogan had lust in his eyes. (laughs) He did. Um, EWT on the same forum said, Savage was right, Hogan tried to steal the spotlight at Mania, then tried to steal Liz, Team Savage... I remember as also a youth hoping that Savage was going to be the new face of the WWF. I truly hated Hogan. For starters, he was a pretend champ, not like the Nature Boy. I was pro Flair. Second, he was freaking Macho Man, who I thought was awesome. <laughs> okay. Um, Eric had been, has been was on a dark match in this. The next guy was on this was on that same dark match. Um, Jason. Uh, as well so he pretty much said um let's see the mega powers coming together was one of the reasons that saturday night's main event was truly groundbreaking as a young wrestling fan um his brother and himself watched it sunday morning our dad taped it for us and we were floored by it wwe wishes they could get that kind of reaction nowadays as for the breakup I think it was super easy for people to back savage against deviasi or perfect but against Hogan in the mid-80s, that is tough. Looking back now, I can appreciate the work that Savage did because he seemed like someone you look uh, sorry, you took for granted. Hogan had to get himself involved so you could see why Savage felt he could not trust him. Hogan would later do this repeatedly in WCW because he was so worried about not being the top guy. It is a shame that it took a lot of people, myself included, time to figure out just how good Savage was during that time and WCW because he just, we just took him for granted. So at the time I was on Hogan's side, but looking back now, I can understand and appreciate where Savage was coming from. I think that that's a really good point. Cause that means that we're ha- we'd be having to, um, push, you're you're having to push back against all the build that went and went into Hogan up to that point. So you know he was established as being the established as being the the good guy. Um, but you know you've got you know in hindsight with all the stuff we know about Hogan that we know now, uh, it, it makes it a little more easier to step back and and be a little more objective. And um, JJ's brother, um, LJ Cohn, chimed in too. Um, He pretty much said he echoes his sentiments. I did not appreciate Randy Savage nearly as much as I should have when I was a younger fan. I have been slowly rewatching the very beginnings of Nitro. And it's amazing that even in 1995, supposedly past his prime, Savage is not only one of the most over guys on the show, but a workhorse just to... um, Interrupt slowly, but uh, that Savage vs. Flair program that starts at the end of 1995 actually reignites um, WCW's house show business and lays the groundwork for the NWO. Like, mm-hmm. the promotion was already getting hot when that NWO thing hit. Um, right. He really seems to have a fire lit under him at that point. And in general, I think Savage does not get the credit he deserves for reinventing himself over the span of his career. On a related note, I am much more appreciative of Hulk Hogan than I was when I was younger. 
I'll bet that is tempered with the knowledge of all the politics and power plays and the like. With the mega powers, if I'm being honest, and Jason will back me up on this, I was mostly pulling for the Twin Towers as I liked both Bossman and Akeem. I rarely <laughs> cheered for baby faces and almost never top guy baby faces because I was and still am the weird younger brother. Although I will admit that when Elizabeth first brought out Hogan to make the save on Saturday night's main event, I marked out for that. As far as who was in the right, I do remember thinking that Hogan was wrong to abandon Savage during the match to take Liz back to the dressing room. There was no one else who could take care of, of her. No attendees or flunkies around the ring with a question mark there. Sorry, I had the wrong inflection there. If you had, <laughs> it had to be you, Hogan, question mark. So in that sense, I couldn't blame Savage for being mad. His partner left him high and dry. Yeah. So that's, that's, yeah. It's a... To go along with our faithful um, friends there that left us a little feedback, I want to go around the the ring one more time. We kind of said what we thought last week about who was right. We've all had another week to think about it and maybe see some of the replays during some of what we watched this week, uh, which was not very good. Are you guys still where you were last week? I am of the opinion that um, Savage feeling betrayed by Hogan makes sense. But Savage's response took him too far, right? If if we want to have a, um, if we want to have you know quote unquote who was right, Savage was right to be upset about it. But on the other side, um, his response crossed him over to the dark side. I guess if his if his statement was. I don't trust you. Back away. You stay away from Elizabeth. You know, uh, we're we're not partners. I don't trust you. Then all of a sudden we would have had this staggering Shades of Grey program that I don't think the WWF was ready to uh, ready to present. But you know, in a in a case like this, you got to have a heel, and I think it would have you know. I don't think they were equipped as storytellers to to be able to turn Hogan appropriately for it. So I don't think the crowds are ready to boo Hogan yet either. Yeah. I, I mean, it could be done, but I don't think they were good enough to do it at the time. So, yeah, Savage was Savage was right to to distrust and break it up. But, you know, he I will say he went too far the other direction. Yeah. So, Matt. Who do you think was right, and how was this affected by Jack Tunney's ineffectual leadership <laughs> of the WWF? He was the worst. <laughs> yeah, the worst leadership. Um, I still feel Savage is right, but uh, I think Shaddy do make a compelling argument that he did maybe go too far. But then again, like he felt betrayed. He felt betrayed by his best friend in Hogan. He felt betrayed by his love, Elizabeth. Who was still hanging out with Hogan apparently, and one of the promos was talking about how she wanted to slap Randy in the face. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe from his perspective, he was just doing what he had to do to protect himself, including getting a a, a new manager who could watch his back. I I will say, um, 
I agreed with you. I don't remember which segment it was. Were you talking about how he got really handsy with her? I think it was Survivor Series. Oh, maybe. yeah. Yeah. Um, but I will, I will say this in Hogan's defense. When Savage landed on Liz during that Twin Towers match, um, I always remembered it that he was, like, all over Liz. But in fairness to Hogan, he was checking on both of them, and he actually did help Savage up he did but then the other side to it was once savage was back in there he was all over liz yeah so i think you you are you you were still right i think where he i think where he went wrong in the big moment was going backstage with her if he would have just like carried her over to the stretcher and come right back i think it would have been fine yeah. But I also think Savage was upset about the Royal Rumble and it had as much to do that with that as it did with Liz. It would have been it would have been an easier sell to keep them together if they'd gone about it that way. I know we're approaching this in this kind of sort of kayfabe fashion, right? Cuz that that's the fun of it. Well, yeah, this if, especially if we don't do that thing. Especially yeah. with this angle like it's really fun to get in the weeds and like pretend like it's real. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it kind of became real later. I think, like if you get uh, into their real life relationship, I think, um, I think this angle became a little more close to home than. Yeah. Not. So uh, yeah, I will say as far as as far as wrestling angle, and I agree with Shad because I didn't say where I fell. I think. Um, I think they're both wrong and both right in their own ways. But okay. I will say I'm going to make a grand statement about this and say this is the best WWF angle of the 80s. I I feel it's up there. It's up I think there. It prob- I think it probably is the most like multi-layered. Um, I think... I don't know. I, I probably would put it in my number one, but I feel there are some angles that were probably up there too. I think like Andre turning on Hogan. That one's really setting good. Up for some, that's, that's kind of up there. Um, I almost feel like back in the day, the, the Hogan, like Orndorff. Yeah, that was really good. A- angle was good too. Um, but this might be the best one just because it, it did have a lot of layers, which the, it had complexity to it, which you don't really appreciate it when you're younger. But as an adult, it you really kind of do grasp how like they really did a great job with it. it. And what's fascinating to me is how the um, the cast of characters around them shifted over time. Mm-hmm. I think the way that I look at this is Hogan Andre was the biggest. Savage Hogan was probably the best. You know, actually, I think I think I read somewhere that Hogan's best drawing opponent of like his '80s runs was the Big Boss Man. Really? Yeah, over time, because he and Andre really only did a couple matches, but those like when he and Boss Man were doing like cage matches in '88 and '89, I guess that was like some of the best business they did with Hogan. Oh wow, that's really fascinating. I mean, it fits. But it's really interesting to hear that that was the, over time, the biggest money banker. Yeah. 
It kind of makes sense though because Boss Man was really good, and there was something about him and his aura that was more dangerous than a lot of other opponents that Hogan had. Well, given I mean, Boss Man was a had been a corrections officer in Cobb County, so you got to imagine that as a heel, he's channeling all the bad stuff that he saw. And, like, and there was something like there was. Especially like that nightstick beatdown. There was just some like that that beatdown was very NWA style. Like there was a um there was it was just it just was a very stark contrast to a lot of WWF at the time. Yeah. It it it, it seemed uh, out of place in a good way. Yeah. Alright. Well guys, I think that about does it for this, doesn't it? Does that bring us to the conclusion on the our Mega Power series? Yep, that is the conclusion of the Mega Power series. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to introduce us to our next um, series of episodes. We are going to be doing a 24-episode retrospective on the career of Leaping Lanny Poffo. <laughs> oh, God. Shad is going to be memorizing and doing his rhymes one by one for the uh, next... Now, wait just a second here. <laughs> wow. That's yeah. Um, I think I think we're gonna need to have a closed door meeting about this one. <laughs> I got all the stuff here for you. Like, get the reading, bitch. Oh man! <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I, that's been our that's been our Mega Power series. I hope you all enjoyed it. Um, we had fun doing it. Looking back on this. Um, not necessarily walking back down memory lane for nostalgia, but to go back intentionally with with a different set of eyes. I, I so we'd say, love to hear from y'all. I, I just want to say I don't. I did not approach this with um, an air of nostalgia. I approached this with like as a historian would approach like an old like text. I just want to go okay. with my mentality when I came into this. Okay. Well, then. Uh, we hope you all have enjoyed it with us. Let us know what you think. Did you like us doing kind of this long form series? Um, is there something you'd like to hear us talk about? Hit us up on social media. And um, this is this is Shad with with Matt and Brad Four Corners podcast. We've been three corners. You're in the fourth. And uh, we'll see you next time, guys. Later.